Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to another episode of the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy. I'm sitting alongside career advisor, Sergio Valentino Patterson. Hey, my middle name's between the three of us, okay? <laughs> What's up? What's up? It's out there. It's, in the, it's out there in the world. And also along Silicon Valley's favorite attorney, Matt McElroy. What's going on? I think Lee had a little too much caffeine this morning. I am pumped, ready to go. <laughs> Come on, guys. Match my energy here. Let's do it. All right. So how are you guys all doing? I haven't checked in with you guys for a while. How's, how's my, uh, my guys doing? No, no diseases. No one's caught on fire. No angry riots. How you, how you guys holding up? Yeah, we almost had an evacuation scare over here. We were in the warning zone or whatever for the SEU Lightning Complex oh, fires. Yeah. But, didn't, you get, uh, yeah. didn't your parents get evacuated too? Like almost get evacuated? Oh yeah, they did. They uh, yeah, they're they, really close to us over here. They got evacuated because the fire was getting close to them, and uh, and uh, got them out of danger. And they were probably in more danger being killed at my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My parents, uh, they were great. That was fine. But yeah, dude. And then the air, the air quality has been like crazy bad. Yeah, oh, it's still garbage. It's still really bad. Yep. Yeah, it's like in the 180s or something right now. I just checked it this morning because I wanted I wanted to go work out, but I was like, I can't even work out with this stuff. No, it's horrible. It's like hazardous. Crazy times, man. Crazy times. So for hey, two, Lee, you mentioned you mentioned diseases. I I do actually have a disease right now that I'm fighting. Yeah. Oh, you do. Hydrodentist for the listeners. Um, I I just had a surgery about a month ago, fighting this thing called hydrodentist superativa. It's like a little cyst, but I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but uh. A heads up, I'm a little loopy this episode. Yeah, Sergio's so, on a lot of pain meds, so this will be an interesting one. So Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm good. Other than that, we're all good. All right, let's, let's, let's march forward. So for today's episode, what we're going to be talking about is investing after COVID. We've all gone through an unprecedented time in history, in human civilization, an impact that's so significant that's changed almost every aspect of our lives, how we live, how we work how we interact with the friends and family that we love. And a lot of people have been asking, how does this event, COVID-19, the crazy world of 2020, how has that changed the investment landscape? So today, what we're going to be going over is what sectors, what companies have been impacted by COVID-19. And we're going to also talk about the trends moving past COVID-19. So even though we're going to be optimistic about this whole situation and say at some point in the near future, COVID-19 will be behind us. But the implications of COVID-19, how has that impacted us now, but also potentially moving forward? 
So this episode is actually due to a request from a listener, friend of the Free Retiree Show, Alyssa from New York. So we're just giving you a shout out. She brought it up and I thought, man, that's a fantastic topic. So what have you guys noticed with, uh, you know, just on from the economic landscape? Serge, I'll start with you. What have you noticed since COVID-19? What companies yeah. do you think are hurting? What do you think is poised to come out stronger from yeah, COVID-19? When- What's interesting, I was just talking about this with one of my neighbors. Shout out to Zach. He was talking about how he was going to invest in a lot of these companies because it's it's like that behavioral trends, right? So if if we were smart, we all would have put thousands and thousands of dollars into Zoom, into to Amazon, into like the online, into DoorDash, some of the things like that, right? Because the behavior, COVID changed our behaviors. So for me, I'm thinking now like, okay, what are the behavioral shifts going to be as you mentioned, once once things are kind of the new normal, so like once sports are back are a thing again, and like once we can eat in restaurants, so like what are the companies that are going to like bounce back? That's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. But yeah, what I've seen is like Zoom's been making a killing. Every like we should have known that. Like schools were going to online learning, everyone was going to use Zoom, and now their stock is like quadrupled. But yeah, dude, it's been COVID's had a crazy impact, and a lot of companies are benefiting benefiting from it crazy yeah and matt what do you think what have you noticed i know you work with a lot of business owners you got a lot of individual clients what have you noticed you know i i think that what's going on right now is kind of like it with the economy is i don't know a better word for it but it's kind of like fake right i mean unemployment's at a crazy high yet the stock market is still doing okay (laughs) you know it's you're still seeing gains sometimes and it just those two things don't really link up for me. Like I don't see how unemployment can be so high and the stock market's still okay. And then also you have this the situation with the housing market where you have all these relief packages by the lenders where people are, don't have to pay their mortgage for a while and it's getting tacked on to the end of the, the loan. And uh, I feel like all these things are just kind of like, they're like band-aids and they're gonna have to go away at some point. And when they do go away, I feel like it's going to be a really bad crash. I mean, like, you know, I don't, I don't have any background in economics or anything. So, you know, <laughs> this isn't like research information. This is, this is just my feeling on it. But I just feel like there's so many little things in place that are like band-aids for the economy that when they can't go forward anymore, because these lenders are going to have to get paid at some point and these companies are going to feel the real hurt of the, the whole pandemic and everything. What happens when these things go away? Because unemployment's high. People are still getting unemployment, but the stimulus talks are they're dead right now, right? And so what relief is going to come to these people that have been getting unemployment and this crazy high unemployment? It's just, I just see that there's going to be a lot of problems with that. And I feel like the stock market's dangerous. Well, I don't know, Lee, well, you're, you're in this industry much more than me. So I mean, well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll touch on that. I'll kind of give you guys like what I think you can expect from everything that's going on. In this episode, just want to preface, none of this is investment advice. We're just going to giving you what the landscape looks like, what sectors might be poised to move forward and come out of this stronger. But none of this is investment advice. I always have to preface that. If you have questions, you got to, you can give me a call. But what we'll do today is we'll go over what is the current state of the economy, what, what companies will come out stronger, and we'll talk about the big mistakes people are doing. There's Right now, when you get a situation like a recession, a big market downturn, people start to make common mistakes in their investing habits and their money management habits. And I'm going to talk about those things and what you need to do and 
how to avoid those common mistakes that we've seen, right? Because this isn't the first economic downturn. We've had many of these before, and uh, history tends to repeat itself. I'll try, so I'll try to give you guys a little bit of insight in that. We're going to go to the break, but when we come back, we will be talking about investing after COVID. Stay tuned. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. Today, we're talking about investing after COVID. What are things going to look like? What do we? What trends have changed maybe for, for the long haul from this rare and weird event? So let's talk about today. If we look at the past 11 recessions, corporate profits fell by roughly 3.8 times as much as real GDP. During this pandemic, corporate profits have fallen only 2.1 times as much as GDP. So things aren't great, but it's not the worst situation. If we take all the other recessions into account, there has been worse situations. And this one on average is not as bad. But here's the things we need to consider. As Matt was talking about in the beginning of our show, there's things that we need to consider in terms of unemployment. when when COVID-19 first happened, the government rolled out the CARES package. And part of that was unemployment. People were getting $600 per week. And that's a very rich amount of money because actually a lot of people with lower end jobs were making more being unemployed than they were working. So there's yeah. something wrong with that, right? So that, that has kept people going. Also, the PPP money from the CARES Act, a lot of that money is running out. Big windfalls of money, and now things are slowing down. I've talked to a couple friends that I know that work at banks. They're vice presidents or presidents of community banks, and they're saying that a lot of the people that are business owners are scared. They're at a point where they're running out of this money, and they don't know what their next steps are going to be. And uh, Matt, why don't you give us a little insight on the real estate? Like, What have you noticed in terms of renters and landlords because they had a reprieve from having to pay rent or pay their mortgage. What does that look like right now? Well, there still is moratoriums that are going on depending where you're at as far as being able to evict people. And um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of uncertain, right? And and a a lot of, from what my experience, I mean, we, we get, we get so many calls from residential and commercial tenants that are like, help me get me out of this lease. I mean, I can't afford this anymore. I can't even do business and uh, most of them can't even open their doors. I mean, we, we've had like little, like, you know, what, what do you call them? Like those little gyms, like it, not orange theory, but they're like that where they're like small little boutique gyms, mm-hmm. that, you know, things like yeah. that. You know, they, they can't even operate really like their, their whole purpose of business is frustrated because of this COVID and they're, they're in bad spots. And so it's every situation is different. Me and you talked uh, in a previous podcast about, article in the daily journal that was written by Moskowitz, an attorney yeah, yeah, Moskowitz. Yeah. Myron Moskowitz. And he's an amazing attorney. He, he, he focused his mainly on pill. He, he's actually co-counsel with me on a court that or on a case that we have in the sixth district court of appeal. And he's uh, yeah, he just, he, he wrote this amazing article that is mainly focused on, on commercial tenants and just kind of how basically like he's, he's comparing how, because I mean, COVID is so crazy, right? There's nothing you can really compare it to. Nothing, not too many things have happened in, in our modern world that where you can 
take from that and apply it to COVID. And then the, the closest thing is uh, some of the thing, the, what do you want to call it? The constraints and regulations put into place when World War II was going on. And so he kind of does a comparison to that, which was really cool. And I, I like that. And it kind of, it kind of opens the door some, to some really cool arguments, but will those arguments actually hold up in court? We don't know yet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They haven't really been, they haven't yeah. been tested. We're, we're going to find out how the courts decide to handle this. And that's, that's going to be a huge tell for what, how everything is going to go forward with these, you know, residential and commercial tenants. But I wouldn't want to be in that position. You yeah. know, it's not, it, there's a lot of uncertainty. And, and, that, and that's what's so crazy about everything is because all these things that they're doing, like not evicting them and all that thing, they're band-aids. They're going to, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's going to have to get ripped off at some point and they're going to have to make a decision. Either this person can't pay or they can pay. And there's only so long that lenders and landlords and all these people can take hits of not collecting the rental. Yeah. Hey, hey, I don't feel bad for my landlord. He upped my, my rent by a hundred bucks <laughs> in September. Okay. It's he's lucky I work at a tech company and I was like, sure, I'll pay it. Oh yeah. He's like, oh, this guy works at Facebook. I'm definitely upping that rent. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm every year. This can. Oh, I, hope you, I, hope, I hope you don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> if, Sir, if Sergio gets kicked out of his house next week, we know that your landlord does listen to the podcast. <laughs> so let's look at the S&P earnings growth. So if we look at Q2 of 2019 and we measured up to Q2 of 2020, there was a decline of 37.5%. So the largest year-over-year decline since the fourth quarter of a special year known as 2008 when we were in the global financial crisis. So things are serious, right? Like Matt and Sergio, how we've been talking before is like everything is doing pretty well when you look at the market. But here's the thing. Like here's one thing that is my opinion of what we're seeing right now. I feel that there is a huge divide between Wall Street and Main Street. What you're seeing is these Fortune 500 companies that are – A lot of them, many of them have great technological capabilities. Some of them are, in fact, technology companies. They really haven't missed a beat. And that's why you're seeing the market do so well. But there's another story. There's the story of the small business owner, the regular family that may not be able to pay their rent. And that's that's a totally different situation. So I, I feel that there is a big divide in what we're seeing. So let's talk about the things, the companies that are hurting right now. So Matt already mentioned this, gyms. And just just to preface, all these companies we're talking about, we're talking about companies that have been hurt now and may continue to be hurt even after COVID. Because I feel that COVID is such a unique and powerful point in mankind in human history, that the trend will continue even after. So yes, will some of these companies that we're talking about get better once COVID is done? Yeah, but there still might be a lagging negative impact due to everything we've gone through. So the first one is gyms. I feel, I don't know how, how you guys feel about this, but I feel like if I wanted to get the COVID, I wish I should go to the gym. I should go to 24 Hour Fitness. What do you guys feel about well, that? Yeah, I, I think that, 100%. I, 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 yeah, and no, I totally agree with you, but I, I think we need to be honest with the listeners and I think you need to tell them that you gave up on the gym. Oh, you dick. Yeah, Your gym membership was canceled long before COVID, dude. 
<laughs> wow, shots fired. All right, I can't, I can't deny that. All right, so yes, I okay, I did give up on the gym. Yes, Matt McElroy reminds me all the time that I've given up on uh, physical fitness. So anyway, well, all of us know how dirty twenty four hour fitness is, right? Yeah. Compound we've that. All, we've all been going there since we were like fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> Compounded with COVID, like I'm not, I'm not. I mean, I don't go to the gym that often, anyways, but. Yeah, I'm not going back. A lot of home people are doing home gyms now. Yeah, and that's the reason why I think the trend has changed, right? During this time, a lot of people can't go to the gym. So what are they doing? They're getting all these home, at-home workouts. And then a lot of them, yeah, maybe when COVID's done, they'll say like, hey, I'll go back to the gym. But a lot of them are just saying, hey, you know what? I've been saving 40 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month. If you go to like a really special workout place, some of those people are paying a couple hundred. And they're saving that money every month and they've been working at working out at home and they're going to be like, well, do I really need to do that? So that's where I think that yes, gyms are hurting now, but there's a argument you could make that they could be hurting long into the future. The other, oh, yeah. I think so. Cause, cause also think about the fact that like, say a vaccine does come out, right? I, I think it's going to be hard to go make everybody take that vaccine. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If not everybody's taking the oh. vaccine, then it's like, gyms and all that stuff are still going to have that same level of danger, right? Yeah, exactly. That same risk. Yeah, right. And so it's not going to be a perfect situation even when a vaccine is unveiled. The other thing, stores and malls, right? Local stores and malls, ones where you would go to pick up an article of clothing or do some just local shopping. I mean, let's be honest, as much as we all hate to admit it, a lot of us have turned to Amazon even more so. Maybe people that were older the older generation that wasn't on Amazon felt the need that they needed to subscribe to Amazon so they wouldn't get COVID. So I think that is another situation. If you're a brick and mortar mall or store, yeah, you're going to get traffic once this is all done. But I think you might've permanently lost people that would give you that regular foot traffic. Oh yeah. And now, now people that are jumping on Amazon and Instacart and all the things and DoorDash, the convenience, people are realizing how easy it is. It's never going to go like brick and mortar. Like they need to innovate ASAP yeah. like now if they want to stay yeah, alive. That's an, yeah, that's an excellent point. That's exactly what I was going to say is that like it's, it's almost destroying the need to have retail space. And if you think about it for some of these companies, what an opportunity, right? Because that's one of their biggest overheads is their, their monthly rent for these, these retail spaces. And if they can get away from that and move to a completely online model, you would, you would, you would just think that if they are able yeah. to successfully do that, they would just see a huge increase yeah i think people there's still that target market that still likes to shop of course but it's not going to be like anywhere near where it was serge i know you hate amazon i think you might have said they're the devil do you still shop on amazon have you been using amazon be honest uh, with the listeners i hate i hated working at amazon but it's (laughs) a wonderful product i'm using it right now (laughs) (laughs) i I just saw an article today actually that talked about Amazon basic products, how they're catching on fire and like they're like dangerous in some ways or something. It's basically like Amazon's going to have some lawsuits on their hands because some of these, their line of Amazon basics. Oh, like the hardware, like, some, like the hardware, some of the hardware products. Yeah, I guess that so I, the, I didn't read the whole article, but it said something about like they were, I think they were getting hot and like catching on fire and stuff oh, like no. kind of like that kind of danger. So yeah, we, is, uh, dude, we, uh, even Kimberly's got on Amazon and she was who you were talking. She was the target market that was always shopping and out in the stores. And she's almost completely shifted to Amazon. 
and I get notifications when someone when she buys something on him. I'm like, oh, okay, we needed. <laughs> you know what the downside to Amazon is though, is that how how messed up is that Prime shipping now? Yeah, it used to take one to two days. Now it's like some things take ten days, and it's like, yeah, it's, why am I paying hard. for Prime if that's what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> so many people are. Thing. Well, they're it's in high demand, so people are still going to pay for it because no one wants to go out there and get the COVID. So next one, restaurants. That's an obvious one. There are projections out there, and these are scary, that potentially one-third of restaurants that were operating before COVID will close. There's data that Yelp released when they do their local economic impact report that shows that 60% of the restaurants that temporarily closed due to the pandemic will remain closed. That's, those are some scary statistics. Yeah. What's weird though is some of my clients that own restaurants and, and food fast food places, they're actually seeing an uptrend because so many people are ordering out and they, yes. they haven't had to lay people off. It's almost like because some of these restaurants maybe aren't operating, it's kind of like making it a smaller pool and yeah. therefore they're they're able to sustain just as like one of one of my clients was hitting records yeah. <laughs> during COVID. You know what I mean? And that, that's crazy. Well, here's but. here's the difference. And let's think about this. If you think about going out, there's the two types of dining. There's the fast food, quick sort of meals. And then there's the sit down or particularly maybe the restaurants that are nicer, right? The ones that you pay, you shovel out the big money for the anniversary or the birthday. I mean, I don't know about you guys. When I go to those places, I want to sit down and I, I don't do dine out on a regular basis. But if I do, I'm, if I'm going to spend big money like Alexander Steakhouse or La Foray or one of those fancy schmanky restaurants, I want to sit down and enjoy my meal. I don't really want to sit outside in the parking lot under like a tent <laughs> and pay like $300. And I think there's a lot of people that yeah, feel- Yeah, you're paying for that. Like, what is it? The ambiance? You're paying for that. Yeah, so those are the restaurants I think that if you're to a nicer dining experience, I mean, how many nice dining experiences have you guys had in the last six months? Like nice ones where you sit down and you like, this is a nice, memorable dinner where there's maybe some candlelight or the waiter's got a little cloth on his on his arm. I have not gone out once. We So we've hit up like outdoor dining a couple of times, but never like a nice sit down. No, I haven't, I haven't gone to one restaurant, so yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard, right? Like, I mean, it's I don't know. It's it will it, it, mostly another thing is how much money are you guys saving by not going to restaurants all the time? Oh yeah, that's true. That is true. Lee, oh, Lee yeah. you especially. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was probably the only thing I really wasted money on. Dude, the other the other flip side of this though, right now businesses are are making do with this outdoor dining thing, right? Mm-hmm. What happens when the weather shifts? Yeah, cold in like, in like, like a winter, month. Yeah. Excellent. People point. aren't going to want to be outside. Yeah, excellent point. Right now, the, so what? What are they? What are they going to do? Yeah, it's going to be even tougher. I mean, maybe if you're uh, if a company that uh, sells heating lamps, that might be that might be positive light. Yeah, they'd have to build like a overhead structure with a bunch of heating lamps. Yeah, I mean, but we'll see. Companies will. We're not there yet. We'll see what what these restaurants do. But yeah, that's going to be very challenging once we get to the colder points of the year. Let's also talk about commercial offices. So right now, I don't know about you guys, but how often have you been in the in the office since I go once every couple of weeks to pick up mail for about 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, I haven't I haven't been since March. 
Yeah, it, it, right now, like, and we're not going back till twenty twenty one summer. Yeah, and I think a lot of companies are on the same Whoa, that page. Long. That's a yeah, really they, long time, Serge. That's like, yeah, they um, that? that's a year said, from now, basically, almost. Yeah, and they, I think they said they might open fifty percent of the offices to the people who have to go in, like the people working on like like hardware engineers building yeah. stuff. But I don't know. You're Lee, you're probably going to get into this, but I think the construction world. I don't know if that's a part of this. Their sure world is going to get shocked. Yeah. But once these companies realize they don't need to build mega campuses. Well, here's the... well that's, that's what happens when the economy kind of tanks is that construction and building kind of slow down as well. So yeah, well, I think that that's imminent. Let's look at like Pinterest, right? So Pinterest said that it is paying $89.5 million termination fee to terminate its lease for their, their building in... I think it's downtown San Francisco or close to San Francisco. Todd Morgenfeld, CFO and head of business operations of Pinterest, said in a quote, as we analyze how our workplace will change in a post-COVID world, we are specifically rethinking where future employees could be based. Well, I think that's, that, that's, that's what the strength these tech companies are, is basically like they're able to still work completely from home without missing a step basically and and, and the, i think a lot of them were doing that before covid even started so this transition just kind of pushed what was already happening and, and and i think a lot of the other companies that aren't the tech companies and stuff are trying to do that too but they're just behind the ball a little bit because it, they weren't making these moves beforehand yeah we were i was already working two days from home two days from home a week and then now i think people are realizing you can, like you said, Matt, like you can still be productive. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Twitter announced that they're going to have their employees work from home forever until like whoever wants to, they can work from home forever. And then Facebook is, has announced that there's fully remote positions available now where people can move wherever they want. It, just the whole thing is going to change, man. Like it's crazy. Well, and also, too, what Lee was saying about how they paid like what, 80, you say Lee, 89 million? Yeah, 89.5 million. Yeah, you got to think that they the reason they're paying that is because they're obviously on the hook for that lease, right? But mm-hmm. they're paying that because they believe that is cheaper than staying there. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that wow. you know what I mean? That that's essentially wow. what what is happening here. They think that cuz that's probably cheaper than the, the the full amount of the loan, who knows how long their loan was. But that 89 is probably less than the full life of that loan, which is which is crazy, right? 89 million. <laughs> so they're just, they're just like basically Hey, I, I'd rather pay this now, take that hit, and then take off with the, the savings that we're going to see in the future from it. Dude, I was yeah, thinking, so how much? How much money is the Googles and the Facebooks of the world? How much are they saving on cafe, like just food? Oh yeah, just general food. operations of running just, the, just, like, the their 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 places. The Facebook campus, like the sweet shop, all the cafes, hundreds of cafes, all shut down. Yeah, that has to be hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh-huh. <laughs> across across the world of Facebook campuses. But well, what's happening to the, like those employees though? They can't really be remote, right? So they they are probably going to like have to lay off certain amounts of certain types of employees just because it's impossible for that job to yeah, really be remote. There's not a need for it. It's yeah. tough. So let's go on to the things that are doing well. We talked about all the things that are bad. Might be poised to continue that bad trend after COVID is taken care of. Let's talk about the things, the bright spots, things that have done well during COVID. So let's talk about dining, pizza, fast food, like Matt was talking about. That has actually been doing pretty well because people aren't doing traditional dining. 
Papa John said that it saw a 28% increase in second quarter compared to the year before. That's a massive increase. And they plan on hiring 10,000 more additional employees between March and June. So it's, I mean, that those are, those are staggering numbers. And I think from what I've heard from local pizza shops, they said business is crazy. So fast food is doing well, particularly Chipotle. So roughly since March, they've had 180%. Say that again. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> is it Chipotle? I, am I saying it wrong? No, no, I'm, I'm laughing because I remember years ago, me and Lee made a bet about Chipotle, and Lee was horribly wrong. I was not, though. I was actually, I was actually right. Because, Tell us more. So, actually, we'll, we'll get into that. But Chipotle <laughs> has had a 180% increase since March, over a, and then over 300% increase since 2018. And it's destroying traditional fast food restaurants like McDonald's that since 2018 rose roughly 20%. Domino's has done well at 95%. And then Wendy's has had a 30% increase since 2018. So people are trying to replace traditional dining from COVID to fast food and particularly, I think, more health conscious fast food. Because I think if you think about all the fast food chains that are out there, which one is the most healthy? I think you could make an argument that Chipotle, gosh, I got to work on saying that. Man. I think it's Chipotle. I think it's Chip- Chipotle. Oh, <laughs> Chipotle. Chipotle is probably wow. one of the healthier options. And going back to uh, what Matt and I were talking about, we had, yeah, we had a bet a long time ago about Chipotle uh, when they were going through their E. coli scares. So their, their stock E-coli tanked scare, to right? 350 dollars a share roughly and i said it would get past 600 and it is and it is blown past right? that it yeah. just took a little bit longer <laughs> yeah i think we made the bet like in like 2000 it was 2016 like late 2016 was what anyways so but it has yeah. done exactly way more than what i said it would do just just saying Let's look it well, up. What, what, is is it past six hundred dollars a share, Sergio? Tell us. Yeah, let me look at. Oh, mic, mic drop, mic drop, mic drop. Oh All right, my so God. dining that is that is the new trend. Yeah. Let's go to entertainment. So obviously, <laughs> there is no entertainment in a COVID world. You do not do anything except sit at home and watch Netflix and watching Tiger King. That is that is our new life. That is what we do for fun now. So if you look at entertainment. Netflix people how many people in this during this time have signed up for streaming services like Disney Plus Netflix how how much are you guys watching Hulu Netflix and Disney Plus now it's all day all day every day (laughs) I I don't really watch too much (laughs) to be honest I I, we 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 uh watch a little bit of maybe through Amazon or Netflix but very minimal TV for me Dude, Cobra Kai. Too much work. (laughs) Side note: Cobra Kai on Netflix must watch. Really? Okay. It's like the. Remember Karate Kid, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of the reboot of that, but it's focused on Cobra Kai. Is it a movie or show? Like series? It's a show on Netflix. Sorry, listeners. uh, Sergio's pain meds are kicking in, so he's talking about Cobra Kai. Hey, so, will know. Uh, yeah, online streaming <laughs> is definitely something that's gotten more popular and probably will continue long after COVID. 
as we touched on before, Amazon, uh, online shopping, right? Right now we can't go to stores, so everyone's going to Amazon and other online shopping alternatives. Another trend, online payments. There's been a lot of times where people need to exchange money and maybe before they say, oh yeah, just give me the cash, you know, when next time we meet. Now people aren't meeting up with each other. People don't want to touch the dirty money. So you're seeing a uptick in people using online payments. The other trend that is now up and coming is telemedicine. So right now, a lot of people uh, are changing the way they go to the doctor. People are scared to go to the doctor because they feel if I go to the doctor, if I go to the hospital, I might run into someone that has COVID. And plus, there's convenience factors of people just being able to go on their computer and talk with a doctor. So if we look at telemedicine, it and this is according to Business Insider Intelligence, their forecast for telemedicine is it's to grow at 19.2% compounded annual growth rate between 2019 and 2025. So I think that's going to be something you're going to see moving forward is more people doing telemedicine versus traditional medicine, which is going into the doctor. And if we look at all this, if we look at everything that we've talked about, about the theme here, digital wins. So the moral of this story with COVID is digital will be the winner after all this is said and done. And Over the last two decades, there has been a war between brick and mortar and digital. It's always been handshake, smile. We give that great personalized service versus you can buy it more conveniently. You can buy it cheaper online. And I think what COVID has done is just shown everyone that this war that was happening, it just got sped up by COVID. And everyone's now realized that you can be that digital, you can be that brick and mortar store but you better have some sort of plan to be digital in some way. You need to digital. You need to have a digital aspect of your business to survive. So, more of the story: digital wins. Just piggybacking on what you just said, I, I was thinking about it. Like, I mean, this is really in in ways like it, it could really disrupt the commercial real estate industry, right? I mean, if people aren't really needing a brick and mortar retail space or office space or whatever, what what's going to happen to the to the whole that landscape of commercial real estate, it's, it's, it's going to get hit, I think. Right. I mean, all these places are getting out of leases. You're not going to, I mean, you're going to have kind of a similar thing to maybe what happened in, in 2007, eight with the recession and commercial mm-hmm. got hit probably arguably the hardest could be, there could be a yeah, lot of, we'll uh, have to, we'll have to see how that plays out, but you're right. There, that is a big question mark moving forward. We'll talk about to end. We'll talk about the common mistakes that we're seeing right now. Number one, Gold. Gold is one of those things that you're going to see a lot of commercials on. People that you know will be investing in it. My personal opinion of gold, it's it's a shit investment. And And my reason is that people can trade gold. You can trade it. You might have bought it for one price, and then you can sell it for X, maybe a higher price to someone else. But it doesn't generated income it's not like a business right so people like you know there's there's two different schools of thought that you generally see with investors some are against the stock market and they say ah it's all it's all craziness it's gambling and then there's people "Ah, i bet i'll put all my money in gold because i can see it and it's it's always there 
but you also have to think about how can you utilize those two different assets, right? If you have gold, what is gold used for? 50% of gold is used for jewelry, 40% is held by banks, and 10% is for industrial use. Those are the rough numbers. But there's really not that big a use. It's not really going to make you money. The benefit of being an investor in companies like Apple that creates a great product like the iPhone or Google that has products like Nest and all these other great online services, they're putting out products, services that generate income. You don't get that with gold. And you have to think about the history of gold and what it's done. If we look at what gold has done over the long haul, it's, it's basically kept up with inflation. If we go to t- September 2011, when gold was doing well, it was roughly about $2,000 an ounce. Fast forward to 2015, gold was hovering around $1,100 an ounce. And let's go all the way up to April 2020. It was very, roughly around $1,650 an ounce. That's not a good investment. If you look at that, that is, that, that is just, it's, it's a terrible, terrible investment because it's inconsistent. It doesn't have an upward historical trend of doing well. It's, it's, it's something that I think investors should need, need to be wary of. But aren't a lot of people running to it right now because of inflation? They're like, oh, it's, it's going to be like in 2000, like the time you cited in 2011 where inflation because of all the quantitative easing, it's like gold skyrocketed, right? And it's like, they, I think that there's a lot of speculation that something similar to that yeah, is going to so happen with now. Gold, the way gold generally works is if the market is doing bad, gold will do well. But you have to put, put it in perspective. If you have 10 years, you're going to have roughly seven to eight years in the market that are going to be well, one break even, and one that's probably going to be a bad year, or one or two. In those one or two years, gold will do well. But it's not consistent enough. Like, you don't want those odds. Like that's, those are not good odds for anyone. So people that are rushing to gold right now will make money, but it's short term, right? And then being a smart investor term, is yeah. all about being a long-term investor. You don't want to jump into companies and just say, oh, I'm going to jump in and jump out. That's how you get your ass handed to you. So no one can time it. No yeah, one, can, can, really no time one can time market, it. So right, you know right I mean? now all these so. people are being, all these people that are moving to gold, they see all these terrible articles that say us on the verge of collapse economy being destroyed rush to gold and they're buying into it and so like part of why we started this podcast is to help you guys see through the bs right that's that's one of our pillars right now you need to tune out a lot of that negativity and people trying to sell you into going into an asset class like gold because you have to realize you need to have more of a long-term focus and just tune out the noise. If you have good investment principles that are based off academic philosophies and financial science, that's, that's, that's smart investing. Don't invest based off some bad article you see. Cause there's tons of them. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like I liked how you, what you said earlier, like digital wins. I think like the way I'm thinking about it, like technology has won. And what I'm realizing, like, let's just think, let's say we didn't have technology. Let's say we didn't have a, like yeah. the world would shatter right now. If we didn't have, yeah. that's why I'm like, technology is winning. Facebook's going up, Google's going up, Amazon's going up. I don't know when that bubble's going to yeah. pop, but it's not anytime soon. Yeah, well, Corona's just going to expedite us figuring out the, the evolution of that technology, I think, and how we're going to make it work for the current world. Yeah. I mean, it's scary because these <laughs> yeah, companies right? are filthy rich, but. 
they're, that's right. uh, and, they're and they're only getting richer. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the last mistake that we're seeing, how people handle their cash. As we said on the show many times, you need to have an emergency fund, three to six months of cash sitting on the sideline. That's a lot of money though. If, if you think, if you think you like, think about that though, just three to six months of rent, food expenses. Yeah. G- given this current situation that most people are in, I mean, that's, that's hard, man. Especially yeah, if somebody's on unemployment, how are they even supposed to do that? You know what I mean? It's tough. But the thing is they should have done it before this, right? If they had been working on it for the last few years when things were good, they would have been really grateful right now, now that they're going through COVID. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like the it's it's it, time to fix the roof is when it's not raining, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. So we want to make sure you have that for you and your family, make sure you get that three to six months of cash. But then there's the other side of it. Too many people going to cash. So the big common mistake you're starting to see is people selling all their investments, going all to cash. And that might make you feel better, but it's really a detrimental mistake if you're selling off all your investments and sitting in cash. Because remember, the government just printed a massive amount of money. And like as Matt McElroy has said, there's a strong chance that that's going to come out in the future as inflation. And remember, inflation is generally around 2 to 3% every single year. So if you put in a dollar and assume regular inflation, at the end of the year, you have like 97 cents. And then every year after that. So the thing is like, you have to figure out how you deal with inflation, right? So don't just think that since you're in cash, you're, you're, you're golden. You're, you have to figure out a way to make your money grow and even though it's scary, you have to embrace investing because that's how you're going to beat inflation. You have to be an investor. Unless you have millions and millions of dollars in the bank, yeah, maybe you can do that. But for most people, you have to be realistic. You have to have an investment strategy. And, and Lee, in your opinion, because you, I mean, I'm sure you, you know this better than I ever would, but what, how long do you, in your, like, do you think that this inflation would take to hit? Because I mean, they are pumping a lot of money in here and it's not something that's just going to happen in the next year. So, I mean, in my head, I I would think it would probably take three to four years before we start to really see the full extent of, you know, the inflation. Do you agree with that? That's a really good question. And just to shed a little bit of light on that, for the last probably four or five years, the Federal Reserve has been trying to figure that out. And that's what they're constantly talking about. When is this inflation going to, rear its ugly head and it hasn't really happened but they did just print out a ton of money but for inflation to also kick in it there has to be a lot of spending people have to be spending at that same rate that's not here yet so we'll have to see when do consumers start spending massive amounts of money and that might be when it happens but who knows they've been trying to figure out that riddle for years now well, and more than likely that what you're saying will probably occur once we're on a recovery of whatever more than happens likely. to the economy. Because people aren't people won't have the probably the confidence to spend like that until we've reached yeah. a certain point of recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other point, Lee, you mentioned like the three to six month saving. I think Matt, we talked about it earlier too. The money I think people are saving by not going to the gym, not eating out, not all the different things. Like I for us, that's we've started saving that money. So I know it's it's tough to save, but I think now it gives us the opportunity because like there's lots of things you can cut right now. Like we actually don't even have a second car. We cut our second yeah. car because we don't need it. Yeah. And that's save, saving us $600 a month. Nice. From the yeah, car. I, I, I fill up one tank of gas for the month. <laughs> Dude, like, 
All right, guys. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to our BS. Appreciate you tuning in. You've been listening to The Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson and Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Security America companies. Securities America Incorporated, Security America Advisors, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party sourced information comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook Incorporated. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.